welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hello. Welcome to this session on sober dating. And this says dating might be a natural progression in the practice of the 12 steps for the single member. And Dave and I are going to share our experience, strength, and hope regarding sober dating. So I came to SA. Um, oh, thank you. My name is Dale. I'm a sexaholic. I'm from San Antonio, and my sobriety date is one three sixteen. I came to SA because I wanted to learn how to be intimate with a woman. I didn't know how. I was by myself. I was way deep in my disease. I was as isolated as you could get. I was not talking to family. I hadn't talked to my mother, brothers and sisters for over 10 years. Uh had lost communication with a daughter. She would not speak to me. I had two angry kids that were talking to me. And I was traveling from city to city for work because I had lost my job because of my addiction. And I was doing contract work. Uh, so I would spend six months here, six months there, a year here, things like that. I thought that dating and getting involved with a woman would solve my problems. So I came to SA, and uh, like I said, I thought I'd be intimate with a woman. I learned to be intimate with a room full of dudes. God has a sense of humor, and that was it. I got a sponsor. My sponsor told me that... Uh, I could not date. I couldn't date for at least a year, and at the end of the year, we would talk about it. Not that I got to do it, that we got to talk about it. Uh, and to be real honest with you, uh, I wasn't real happy about that, but I start working the program like my sponsor wanted me to, and uh, kind of working the steps is what got me to the point where I could sober date because uh, I didn't want a relationship with God. I didn't want anything to do with God. But uh, my sponsor was making me phone call people, and I was calling people, surrendering my lust and things along that line. And I started to get pretty good at it. And, and I started having faith in people after doing my first step because uh, people didn't reject me. And some of that shame dropped. And so I was trusting in people. And the next thing I know, I was trusting in God. And I was trusting in my sponsor. And so uh, I kept phone calling. I started uh, coming out of my isolation. And a big thing for me was is that I started organizing uh, going to dinner after a meeting. Uh, started asking people, the whole group, not just one person. I started, at, well, that's not true. What really happened is, is I had a guy call me up and say, hey, I want to go to dinner. Will you go to dinner with me? And I said, yes. And as I'm going to dinner, I thought, oh, my God, he he doesn't know what he's doing. He's 
He's going to regret this. I can't do this. He's going to slit his throat by the end of dinner because I'm so boring. And I had a good time. I had a good time. And uh, this guy became my joke, my Sunday night date. Every Sunday night, we would go out to dinner and have a good time. And that got me to start asking people to go hiking, uh, fishing, bowling, and we just started doing stuff like that. And, and some of the ladies joined us, and and uh, we had a really good time. And I got to learn how to talk to other men. I got to learn how to talk to women without trying to force anything, just just being friends and getting to know them. Um, and for me, one woman in particular was coming um uh, and when people started not coming because it was winter time, it was just her and I. And when we would go bowling or miniature golfing or to a movie, everybody would say, oh, aren't you going to pay for her? And we would both put our hands up and be like, no, 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 we're not dating. You know, that's that's not going on here. Um, and then people came back to the group and started doing things again. And um, about five months went by. And uh, it was like, hey, you know, I haven't really got to talk to you one-on-one -on -one in a long time, and I missed that. And we started talking, and uh, a year went by, and uh, uh, she said, we should do something. And I said, my daughter gave me some zip lining certificates. We'll go, would you go zip lining with me? And she said, yes. And then I told my sponsor, hey, I asked her to do this. And he said, is it a date? I said, no. Does she think it's a date? No. And he said, then that's fine. And we went and we went to dinner and then we had a really awkward talk about dating and um, what we were looking for. And she was quite a bit, she is younger than me uh, by quite a bit. And I was uncomfortable with that because I really liked her, but I have a daughter that is a year older than her. And uh, so that wasn't right to me. But my daughter also knew that I was going out all the time with a woman named Ashley as part of the group. And she knew that what age she was. And she said, why don't you date her? And I said, well, no, I can't do that. She's younger than you. And she said, why not? And I went, oh, uh, long story short, after ziplining, Ashley said, why, why don't we date? And she talked to her sponsor. I talked to my sponsor. They said, yes, go ahead. Uh, but you need to do extra check-ins when you're doing this. And so we did that. Uh, we also had to put up boundaries with one another uh, because, because we're both sexaholics. We're both in the group. Uh, there, there had to be boundaries about uh, what was allowed, what wasn't allowed. And on our very first date, we met after a meeting at a taco cabana here in town. And she sat on one side of the table, I sat on the other. We talked, and when we got up and walked out to the parking lot, she looked at me and she said, get away from me, just get way over there. And I laughed because I knew exactly how she was feeling. And uh, we had to keep distance. Um, it may sound funny. Uh, months had gone by. We went to a movie and we held hands during the movie and I thought my brain was going to explode just by holding her hand. And it sounds goofy, uh, but it's true. 
Um, I will admit we did break our sobriety. Uh, we talked to our sponsors, reset our sobriety date, uh, went back to traveling the sober path, um, and and then eventually, this whole time, I'm talking to my sponsor and I'm talking to two close friends in the program because I have learned that I can't see the big picture because I'm in the big picture. I needed somebody else to be looking at the picture along with me. So I had two friends and a sponsor, um, told them how I was feeling about her when we talked about getting engaged. And I would ask my sponsor, do you think I can get engaged? I'd talk to my two friends, what do you think about us getting engaged? She was also talking to her sponsor and friends. And and so uh, we did get engaged. Uh, and one of the deals was when we talked about marriage originally before the engagement, uh, because she said, I, when are you going to ask me to marry you? For the first time in my life, I'm a very big codependent. If I had sex with a woman, I would automatically have to be in love with her and and be doing the right thing. And that's how I married my first wife. I didn't know anything about her. It was a disaster. We did a 17-year marriage, uh, got divorced another 14 years. We stayed in a very dysfunctional relationship and, and had broken that off because of this program. Um, but I was actually able to tell her, you know, I really do love you, but we have never fought, and I don't know what fighting looks like with you, and I can't marry you till we have a couple arguments. <laughs> and and we did. We we had our our few arguments, and uh, I actually could argue with her. Uh, maybe we had to step apart from one another for an hour, but we would come back and we could talk it out and things went smoothly. And at that point I said, yes, I, I am ready to marry you. We have a rule to this day that I cannot, we cannot go to an event and have me driving when we leave because I will get angry at people in the parking lot because we can't get out quick enough and it drives her nuts. So she gets to drive and I get to sit in the passenger seat and keep my mouth shut. And <laughs> it works really well. And anyway, uh, at that point, uh, we did get married and we've been married a year and a half. And I can say that I'm very, very happy. I've never had a relationship like this. I actually got to know who she was uh, before we got married, before we started, um, before sex, um, and I was able to learn to be, to know when I'm being codependent, uh, how to talk about it to her, how to talk about it still to my sponsor because I still don't handle things right or, or friends, uh, in the program when we're having an argument. I still need to step out and, and check in with people. So that uh, so that I can do the next right thing and do my fourth uh, step with her and amends if I need to. And I think that's it. Thanks. Thanks, Bill. Uh, I'm David. I'm a recovering sexaholic, and uh, I've been I'm from Franklin, Tennessee, and I've been sexually sober since August 1st, 1985, and um, my story is different, but the same. Um, I came in married, 
and I came to the fellowship to save my marriage. And uh, that was my motivation at, uh, initially, and it takes what it takes. Um, I recognized soon after that that was not the best uh, motivation, but it got me there, and, and to me that's, that's what's most important. Um, so when I came in, we, we had already physically separated. In fact, I didn't know where my ex-wife lived um, at the time. And, uh, um, it was really difficult for me. I was very dependent upon her. Um, she was everything I thought a wife should be. Uh, and she, uh, during our dating, you know, sex was important to her as it was to me. And that, that seemed like a pretty good formula. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't understand or, it, it, it took um, quite a bit of time for me to understand um, just how uh, my addiction uh, prevented me from having any kind of um, emotional connection with anybody. And uh, so I came into the program. Um, I was uh, married but uh, living single. And, of course, everybody... It seemed like everybody in the program at that time was married, and uh, and guys who were sober were having sex, which really bothered me. <laughs> it really did. Um, but um, as as we learn, we have to you know we have to work our programs um, and not theirs. And so I uh, came in um, within a couple of months. Uh, went to my first uh, marathon meeting. It was in Cleveland, Ohio. I was living in Rochester, New York at the time. And uh, um, there was a woman there who I've never seen since. But at the time, um, you know, the guy that got me to my first meeting was five months sober, which I thought was a lifetime. Um, I was a week sober going to my first meeting. And uh, this woman stood up and um told her story, and she was two years sober. And I was, I was dumbstruck. <laughs> um, you know, I had heard of others, like our founder at the time, that had been sober for a number of years, but two years was, uh, you know, my first old-timers meeting, give you some perspective, was uh, in Los Angeles in 1988, and to go to your to an old timers meeting, you had to have two years of sobriety. Okay, so that that puts two years in in context. Um, and she, as she told her story, she was a single woman. Uh, at towards the end, uh, I'll never forget it because she said, uh, "I'm sober two years, and uh, I'm not. I'm still not ready to date." And uh, that got my attention. Now, granted, I was married. I was trying to reconcile. Uh, but I immediately did the math. I was sober at the time, and I said, you know, if I'm still sober, you know, that means 1987 for me. And uh, I ended up moving to, uh, a few months later, I ended up moving to Detroit, and uh, uh, my ex, or, and, 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 well, my wife, she was still my wife at the time. We, we were separated for two years uh, and still married. I uh, moved to Detroit. Um, I recognized that trying to reconcile was going to be difficult because of the distance, but nevertheless, I tried. 
and uh, uh, made a real, I, I actually flew to Rochester one weekend. I called her up and I said, uh, I, I need to see you on Saturday. Well, I'm, I'm going to be busy. And I said, well, I'm coming and I need to see you. And I was going to demonstrate my love for her. I bought her, bought her flowers. She finally told me where she was living. Um, I, I took her out to lunch and I gave her flowers. And uh, at lunch, she told me that she was engaged. We'd been, uh, at that point, we'd, we'd been um, separated for going on a year, and uh, it rocked my world. <laughs> that uh, kind of messed up my plans. And uh, so I, you know, I, I came back, and, and uh, I, I have to add that at the time I was uh, um, going to a very conservative denomination, and, and um, the way I was reading things, I wasn't sure whether I was ever going to be able to remarry. So I had a lot riding on this at the time. <laughs> and when she said that she was already engaged to somebody else, even though we weren't divorced, um, uh, that kind of rocked my world. But I, you know, I knew by then that what I needed to do is, is, uh, continue to come to the program, um, and stay sober. Um, my life would be better if I did that. And, uh, it was. And so, um, it wasn't long after that she began to call me and contact me and, and, um, and then she began to ask me advice about her relationship. And it, um, and, you know, me being the sick codependent, you know, I was a codependent before I was an addict. So, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a, in a, an addicted family and, and, uh, me being a great codependent, well, you know, if I help her with this, maybe she'll, you know, maybe there's, maybe I can win her back. And, uh, I really, I, I quickly saw the error of that thinking and, uh, um, I sought some help for it because I, I felt like if we kept communicating like this, you know, I'm going to end up losing my sobriety. And, uh, just so happens that the place that, uh, I started an SA meeting there in uh, Detroit, suburban Detroit, was a, uh, a place called CAPS. Didn't know what the CAPS stood for when I first started going there. It turned out it was children of alcoholic parents. And I qualified. And uh, uh, they had been feeding people into our program right and left. Uh, you know, we had a, a very active group there. Um, and this uh, this was the first SA meeting in Detroit. Uh, 1987, and, and uh, so I, I I got some help for this, and I and I'll I'll only say this because you know this is a this is our 12 step program, but there is a place in the white book where our founder talks about getting help for family issues, and um, I think it's in the 18 wheeler, but I'm not 100 percent sure about that, um, and. A world was opened up to me that I, I didn't even know existed, which was, you know, this, this dysfunctional system that I grew up with, um, caused me to relate to people in a way that was not healthy. And it caused me to seek out people who were as sick as I was. And, uh, and that made a huge impression upon me that, oh, you know, I didn't have, I didn't stand a chance, you know, if I didn't get better, I didn't stand a chance of ever having a relationship. And so uh, 
that was a very valuable, I, I broke off contact with my ex. Um, and uh, by the night, end of 1987, <laughs> she called me. And, you know, we hadn't talked in months, and she called me out of the blue, and she said, I just filed for divorce. You know, and we, we were uh, separated in New York State, and we had, a, we had what was called a no-fault divorce. So we had been legally separated for a year. We had divided all the property and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of a year, either party could file for divorce. And I, I was still wearing my wedding band. Um, and she called me in uh, August and said, well, I broke it off with that, with that guy even though they had bought a house together before. It, it was complicated. Uh, I've broken it off with this guy, and um, but I'm filing for a divorce, but I still think there's a chance for us. Um, I, I got those uh, divorce papers uh, like right around Labor Day of uh, 1987, and I, th that was the first time I took off my wedding ring. And... Um, and it was almost two years to the day when I'd had that awareness that in two years I could date. And uh, um, it was going on the anniversary of that uh, time in Cleveland where I heard two years. And I was two years sober at that time. And, and I said, I don't have, I don't, <laughs> I have no business having a date at this point in my life. Uh, I knew I was going to be moving the next year to Tennessee. I, I knew how stressful moving was. Um, I, I'm not going to do it. And uh, so I, I stayed sober. I made the move to uh, Nashville in, in July of 1988. Um, uh, I settled in over that next year. And uh, in the fall of 89, I, I asked uh, Harvey to be my sponsor. Uh, so here I was, four years sober, and, and I hadn't had a sponsor yet. And uh, I'd been basically surviving on steps one, two, and three. And uh, it's a miracle. You know, if anybody can get sober for 32 years working a program the way I did, you guys can too. You know, it, that's, it's, it's that simple. Um, so being the engineer that I am, uh, I'm a recovering engineer as well, um, um, I set about doing my steps. And, uh, and I heard Jess say, who was, Jess was Harvey's sponsor at the time, you can't wet, you can't work them too fast because you're going to work them the rest of your life. And uh, Harvey volunteered Nashville that year for a uh, international conference. So our first conference at, uh, in Nashville was 1990, and he volunteered me to be his to be the chairperson. Which, when your sponsor tells you to be the chairperson of the conference, you are. And uh, so we put together our uh, very first international conference in Nashville in 1990, and uh, I was working my steps. I was uh, had already gotten from September to this January. I was um, I was on step nine. I was making my amends. Um, I got real serious about working my steps, and. Uh, it, um, the conference came up. I, I called my ex and I said, you know, there's something that you have to know about me. And I'd already told her about my recovery, but she had, she had pushed it back. And I said, you know, we're having this conference. Why don't you come? And so she came. And, 
you know, I had, you know, these romantic ideas. I'm a ro- romance addict, too, by the way. Um, I had this romantic idea that somehow um, she would see the error of her ways, see how, what a, what a great guy I had become. I was, even, I, was, I was great when we married, but I was even better now. And uh, that we somehow, you know, uh, Alan has heard this story before, um, that we might end up on the speaking circuit, you know, in years to come, you know, uh, telling these great stories about how we got back together. And uh, ultimately what it led up to is me doing my ninth step with my ex-wife and uh, telling her everything. And uh, not, you know, not specifics about my acting. I never cheated on her physically. Um, it was it was about my part in our breakup and accepting responsibility for that. Uh, up until that time, I had beat her over the head with the Bible, <laughs> uh, something for which I'm not very proud about. Um, and I I I told her about my you know how my addiction had affected me and my ability to relate to her and that I was sorry. And I asked for her forgiveness. Um, that didn't result in reconciliation. Um, but at that point in, in time, um, I had already been talking to my sponsor about the possibility of, you know, okay, if, if this isn't going to work out, I, I, I consulted with clergy, which was important to me, uh, about the possibility of remarriage. And, uh, um, Felt like I was able to. I was going on five years sober, and and uh, within a couple of months, I had my first opportunity. And I have to say that uh, the thing that I heard in 1987 that changed my life was, you know, as the as the speaker at lunchtime uh, talked about, you know, if I'm going to do this, everything has to change. You know, the way I dated did not work. I always was in a relationship with the same person. They, you know, their names changed, but it was the same relationship. They always left. I always took them back, and then they always left again. And that's the way it always worked. Sex was always a part of it. Um, so I knew before I dated that I'd have to do it totally different. And I heard a tape. Uh, it was at a, at a, a codependence conference. And it it it, cha- it it rocked my world because it talked about relationships and that how relationships are on a continuum. So visualize a straight line from left to right. Um, over here is companionship, and companionship is um, the event is more important than the person. And so relationships begin with companionship. You first find it, and and that's. You doing things that you like to do and inviting somebody else along. Um, what a concept. Uh, it, friendship occurs when you develop some em- emotional intimacy. You, you tell each other uh, about yourself and they, they learn about you emotionally. And, and for me, that, mean, that meant talking about the things that frightened me, um, the things that I cared about, my value system. Uh, who I was. Um, touch doesn't come into play until love develops after you've developed companionship, friendship becomes love, and that's when touch is appropriate. So those, the, <laughs> to me, that was, 
that was just like I don't know, I, you know, nuclear physics. Um, and it, I'd never heard any kind of concepts like that, but it really made sense to me, and uh, it really appealed to the engineer in me. You know, systematically, yeah, I like that kind of stuff. That's 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 the way I, I live my life. So, so I knew when I when I started dating, I'd have to have a you know, um, you know, one of the things I've learned to say recently is I don't have a clue what will affect my long-term happiness. Because you know, when I was uh, when I had gotten everything that I thought was important to me. Uh, a beautiful wife, uh, a great job, a beautiful house in the suburbs, new cars in the garage, traveling around the world. Um, I thought that would make me happy. But that's, I was also, uh, I worked in a large manufacturing organization. I was also going in on the weekends because I knew certain guys had porno stashed in their lockers. Because I had a master key, I could open up the, I could open up the, uh, their lockers to look at their pornography and, and place it back on, on Monday morning before we all came back to work. Obviously, I wasn't very happy, <laughs> uh, but that's what I was doing. So um, I knew I was going to have to do things differently, and um, um, so that's the way I started into the dating stuff. Um, you know, we've got a lot of time here, and you know, I wasn't sure the best way to do this. Um, um, you know, we can, we can open it up for questions. Um, I don't think, I'm not sure that you want to hear us rattle on for the next hour. And, okay, companionship, friendship, love. And, um, yes. Yeah, I had a lot of a good support while this was going on. Um, you know, uh, the other concept that, that uh, really impressed me was the ten date rule, and and if you don't take anything else away from this conversation today, take take away the ten date rule. And the ten date rule is you don't talk about your recovery until you've had ten dates. You know, if it's about companionship, if if you're going, if you're if you're going to spend time with somebody, uh, it's not about marriage at that point, right? If if you don't know where the this relationship could lead, and it's really about going out and doing something that you want to do, it's not appropriate to talk about your recovery. It's just not, you know. Uh, I dated for six years, um, and. The only person I I told everything to is the woman that I've been married to for 21 years. Okay? Uh, One other person got close. I started talking about my codependency recovery with her, uh, but that's just, I didn't go all the way to talk about my essay stuff with her. And, uh, so that was, that was really helpful for me because if you, if you take, take your time as you're doing this, um, it's not going to be appropriate to talk about your recovery until you develop that friendship and emotional intimacy. And so that was very freeing to me. The other concept was that, you know, I may not ever get married again. And so if, you know, I wanted to learn to how, how to have friends. And, um, 
if 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 friendship came out of this, then that that's a win, you know. Um, totally foreign concepts to me. Uh, and like Dale, uh, our group in Nashville at the time that all this was going on in my life, back in the early 90s, um, we had a lot of opportunities for fellowship, joint fellowship, men and women, doing things as in a group, learning how to be around the opposite sex. We all had issues that we talked about in meetings or to each other. Um, there were times when, hey, everybody showed up and it's me and two women. The, the subject of my fantasy, but not something in recovery that I felt comfortable about. We'd have to talk about it. But we ended up pairing off and doing things. Uh, um, you know, I bought tickets to the symphony, and I would invite people to go to the symphony with me. And they, some some people were in the, um, some some were men and some were women, and it was it was comfortable. And uh, I learned how to relate to men first. You know, one one of the things I learned in, in my recovery is that it's 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 a, another man that's going to validate my sexuality, not a woman. Um, learning how to be emotionally connected with a man. Um, is helps me become intimate with a woman, and so that was a novel concept. And we've got instant intimacy in, the, in our in our meetings because they're mostly male. Um, so hanging out with the guys after a meeting became something I look forward to. You know, in, in Nashville, every Friday night after the five thirty meeting, we all all went out to dinner. We did it for years and years, and I look forward to it. Uh, it was fun. We laughed. We we went to movies. I didn't go to movies back then. Remember that, Alan? I didn't go to movies for 15 years, so that they were just too much for me. Um, but a lot of people did. And uh, but we had raft trips and we uh, had parties and and we went hiking and we did all kinds of things. Um, so um, so my first date was uh, in 1990 and and. Um, we're having this great conversation. We we got I take her we go out to dinner. We she paid for hers, I paid for mine. Um we're uh she had this job where she had to get up early in the morning and I'm and uh um she lived out in the country and, and she had to commute to work at like five o'clock in the morning and, and I said, You know, isn't that kind of scary? And uh she goes, No, no, I I carry a gun. Oh really? Oh yeah. Um, well, that, that's interesting. Um, well, then she launched into a story about how um, her freshman year of college she had been a, a, abducted and raped. And uh, here I am, a uh, recovering sexaholic. She had no clue, and I'm sitting to myself, if you only knew. You know, I did not rape anybody in my in my addiction. Um, never thought about it, but um, it was just whoa. Uh, but but I one uh, one thing I took away from that first date is we we got back to her house, and I instinctively sat on the couch. That's what I always did. And in 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 my disease, the woman always sat next to me on the couch, and she sat across from me in a chair, and it was like. Whoa, that's that's comfortable for me. Um, the next person that I dated sat down on the couch, and, and I went to the chair because I realized I was more comfortable that way. 
Um, I didn't know her very well yet, so sitting next to her on the couch really wasn't appropriate. You know, I had to learn stuff like that. Um, before, in, in, in my addiction, it was about touching as quickly as I could, getting as far as I could go as quickly as I could. And, and I realized underneath all of that, and what was suggested to me in the tape was that, that touch wasn't appropriate until emotional intimacy had been established. And that at some level, I was aware that touch wasn't appropriate. I just didn't know why. And, and when I was having able to feel my feelings and being around women, I realized, that I, you know, realized, yeah, hey, I don't know you yet. So it's really not important for me to be touching you at this point in our relationship. So I'm going to shut up with that point. I've, I've rattled on for long enough here, but we, we've got time for questions. And well, yeah, yeah, okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll end my section like this that, uh, you know, while I was going through, all my married friends were uh, were encouraging me with slogans uh, about my uh, my sex life, and that was, uh, you know, sex free in '93, uh, no more in '94. I there are a couple that I, I don't feel comfortable sharing because they're a little, they're you know, they're a thing that guys say, and it, it, it became a joke, and it was fun, and uh, yeah. It, I had fun on my dates, you know. It, it wasn't this super serious, you know. Uh, I I wasn't fearful about losing my sobriety. I I I, I was. I, I'm not going to lose my sobriety dating somebody, and I'm not going to attack them, and they're not going to attack me. You know, the people that I'm going to go out with are not going to do that. And uh, long story short, I dated for six years. Um, met the woman of my dreams. Uh, we've been married for 20, 21 years, going on 22. Um, and it's worked. And uh, um, I'm, I'm unbelievably grateful. And I'm, I'm open to, uh, we're both open to answering your questions. And uh, probably the best way to do that, since it's be, being recorded, maybe I'll, we'll set up some chairs here. If you want. Do we have some guidelines? Uh, yeah. uh, okay, go. So, and we've got some. We've got almost over another hour. Yeah. Yeah. So So in the spirit of carrying the essay message, this meeting is being recorded. If you are not sure your share will be appropriate or on topic, please participate by listening. The recording equipment will not be turned off for any reason. If you wish to share, speak directly into the microphone so the listener can follow you. If you wish not to be recorded, we invite you to participate by listening or attending another session. Please do not touch any of the recording equipment. There we go. Do you have anything you want to... The only other thing that I would add, and it's something that uh, Dave had said that was also true for me, is that during my, uh, during my sobriety before I started dating, um, I became... Well, I shared that I had isolated myself. Well, during my fourth step, I start reconnecting with all my family. I reconnected with all my children. I was doing all this stuff with people in the group. And uh, that was something really big for somebody who had been alone for a long, long time. 
but I eventually found that I was doing way too much with other people and that I needed time for myself. And I started backing off and I became comfortable being with Dale, which was amazing because I could never stand being with myself. And I became comfortable with the idea that I might not ever get married. I was thinking, I'm 54 years old. It may not happen for me. That train may have already taken off. And uh, I became very comfortable and very happy with life. Life had never been better to me. Uh, and, and, then, and then eventually the dating thing came. Uh, but I think it took to be happy with myself before I could actually go with somebody else. And I just read that recently. Uh, if you're not happy with yourself, dating, getting into a relationship is not going to make you happy either. Thanks. Thanks, Dale. And I'll, I'll just add to that, too. Um, I had another round uh, go at my ex in 1994. Um, so we, we were officially, we separated in 85, divorced in 87. Uh, 94, we had an, uh, another international conference uh, back in Rochester, and, and uh, so I went back to Rochester. I called her. I'm still single. I've been at, at that point. I've been dating for four years, and uh, I didn't date at all in '93. That was the year my dad uh, was uh, succumbing to his cancer, and so I spent a lot of time with him. And I didn't have a date in '93. Um, but uh, I went, to, uh, went back to Rochester, and I called her up in advance and said, can you have dinner with me? And, and uh, uh, so we went out to dinner, and there was about three feet of snow on, on the ground in, in Rochester. How we ever had ended up having a January conference in Rochester, New York, I don't know, but we had three feet of snow on the ground. And we went out and had dinner, and she took me back to her house, still some of our furniture in that house. I still have some of the furniture that, you know, when we separated. 30 years later, I'm cheap. Um, but uh, we went out to dinner, and, and uh, um, it was it became really obvious that we had gone in different directions. Um, we just had. And uh, we had a pleasant dinner, but it, uh, she wanted to see me the next day, and I said, fine. And, uh, uh, you know, as she always did, she called me up. That afternoon, Saturday afternoon, said, I can't make it. And I said, fine. And I went back, and I, and I really, I, I grieved. Um, you know, I, I'd been dating for four years at that point, and I, you know, I thought, you know, maybe maybe this would end up working out. And, uh, and I realized that, you know, we were two different people, and that we didn't have common interests, and, and we, we were just different. And, uh, and uh, I had that same awareness. Um, I said, you know, I've got a great life. I've got a great job. Um, I've got friends who love me unconditionally. Um, I can keep, I can, I can live this way the rest of my life and be content. I, you know, that, uh, what used to feel like isolation, uh, became solitude. And, uh, solitude is really good for your soul. And uh, I learned to be comfortable with me and not have to worry about, you know, am I going to look for, look at something on the TV or whatever and lose my sobriety? You know, it was, it was comfortable. And, uh, and it, it was nine months later that I, I met my spouse. So, um, you know, uh, go figure. And, uh, we dated for a year 
And uh, last story, I, I told this uh, during the laughter section, but uh, she had asked me before Christmas, you know, we knew where, where we were headed, and she asked me for, before Christmas, am I, am I going to see a ring for Christmas? And I said, no. Um, you know, you know where we're headed? And she said, yes. And I said, no. And uh, and then you know, we get through the holidays, and she was fine with that. And uh, she hung in there. And uh, um, we're, we're approaching Valentine's Day. And, you know, I, I knew I needed to, I wanted to pop the question, but that seemed really cliche to me. And so I called Harvey, and I said, you know, I, I want to ask her to marry me. Marry, marry me, but uh, you know Valentine's is so cliche. And she, he said, "David, I don't want to talk to you again until you're engaged." Click. <laughs> He'd had enough. He'd had enough. And uh, we got we had got engaged on February the 23rd or 24th, and uh, it's obviously worked out really well. So with that. Questions, comments. Um, we've got we've got plenty of time here if you if you want it to go that long. So it's up to you. Floor is open. Come on up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Zach. Hey, Zach. Grateful for you guys' share. It's a, um, thank you very much. Uh, just say a thing about myself to preempt the question I want to ask you guys. I mean, I'm uh, right now I'm 26. I'm single. I've tried a bit dating in the past, both pre-sobriety and then in sobriety. Um, basically, where I'm at now is I hadn't been dating, and uh, I sort of was taking some time for myself and struggling with own stuff in my life about getting, just in general, reaching anxiety, being able to get my uh, schoolwork on and pick up part-time work and whatnot. And so I'm sort of at the place now where I guess the semester's over. I'm ready to potentially go back into it. And part of the fear, I have two general fears, and one of them is like, wow, I'm like carrying a lot of uh, this emotional baggage codependency with me, and I'm worried, you know, I'm trying to say to myself, like, you know, on the one point, I should be taking on new responsibilities, like getting to start date, and in my community, it's already, like, people are pushing you a bit late, older, 26, that's just so it goes, you know, I guess. But I can push it off if I need to. And uh, and if it's really in my best interest, so it's sort of like walking in with all this codependency and a, a messed up family. It's sort of like this this fear with that, and then a fear of like, oh, if I'm having trouble being present for all the people in my life now, so how am I going to be able to do that then? And uh, part of that also is a bit of the shame there because my mother keeps, you know, in that codependent on her side, she keeps telling me that I'm not, I'm not giving her enough time. So how are you going to do it with your wife? You know, so she's, so, so like, yeah, talk about my mother's divorced and uses me as her husband. So you can always wonder how that that feels, you know. So, uh, so uh, basically, uh, it's a good laugh. I'm glad to be able just to share it with you guys. But I'm just, you know, I mean, it's a more general thing to speak to. But maybe, uh, you know, that's my story. But I think you guys were very helpful with the already already what you said. But maybe you can. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's not like I need you to solve my problems, but maybe just speak from your experience. So thank you. <laughs> okay, so I was a very big codependent. Still am a codependent. Um, and for me, um, 
I had to, I had to work through all the stuffs because I was not aware that I was fearful of rejection, that I was fearful of abandonment. Uh, I wasn't aware of any of those things. I was I was very aware that I I, I always told a therapist uh, before I got sober uh, that. My mother did not love me, and the one person programmed biologically to love me did not love me, so there was something fundamentally wrong with me. So I automatically had a fear of not being good enough, not being lovable, uh, that I was going to be abandoned, blah, 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 blah. Um, working, working the stubs got me aware of that. And it still, I'm still aware of that because I still go through those feelings occasionally of not being good enough. And, uh, I have to, I have to be aware of that in my marriage because if I don't, I'll get resentful at my wife. So if she says something, I can say, Hey, that hurt me. Um, and I would appreciate it if you don't say something like that again. And, and she respects that. And uh, that that's a really big thing for me. And as far as the relationship goes, that builds more trust and intimacy between the two of us because I can say what I'm afraid of. Um, and uh, I, I think that's what I got on that. Thanks. Yeah, what what really freed me up is is the concept of um, it's not about marriage. And it's, you know, um, if, if I can, I want to spend my time with other people. So initially that's what it was for me. Um, um, I'm a social person. I like to do things with people. And, uh, so when I, when I went into it that way, um, it, it really freed me up. Um, this is going to sound really, really, um, chauvinistic maybe. Um, but, you know, I had a certain image of the kind of woman, you know, what, what they needed to, to be like physically. Okay. And I know part of that was my addiction, but, you know, I, God wants us to be attracted to the person that we marry. And, you know, Harvey's standard was if, if she doesn't physically repulse you, then you ask her out. Okay. Well, that seemed, that, that seemed, that seemed really general to me. It seemed like way too low of a bar. But I, I will say, um, you know, I, I went out with a lot of women who I never would have looked at twice before because, I, you know, I was looking for the wrong stuff. And it, it, I met some really wonderful people that way. Um, the women that I got closest to telling about, you know, that I started down the path of my, uh, my codependency recovery, because that was a lot safer to talk about, um, she checked all the boxes. I mean, her resume was was spot on, but for whatever reason, and I, I can't explain it, there there wasn't a spark. I mean, she was spiritual. Um, she was um, sensitive. She was funny. Um, you know, we had common um, spiritual beliefs, and you know, I kept telling myself, I. You know, this is the kind of woman you would marry. I mean, uh, but there wasn't a spark, and I, I I can't describe what the spark is, but I think something we we all kind of know what it is for us. And uh, um, she ended up 
saying, you know, I don't, I don't see that, I don't think this relationship is going where I want it to go. And, um, you know, I've had a good time being with you and thank you. And, and she, she, uh, she, she ended it with, with us. And we've been seeing each other for maybe four or five months. And, and I, you know, I, all I could do was say, yeah, that was the right thing to do. You know, I, I really, you know, I, she was doing, yeah, I was, I was being codependent, you know, I, I, mentally, like I said, and, uh, so it, it all worked out. And, uh, so have, you know, thinking about the idea of just having fun and, and meeting people and, and learning how to be around the opposite sex and be comfortable in my own skin, uh, was, was really important to me. And I, the, the aspect of, Thinking about it as like an experiment that really appealed to my engineer too. You know, this is this is a scientific experiment here. I'm I'm seeing what it's like to to be around the opposite sex and and not feel compelled to touch or or all the things that I had always done. So, good luck. Thanks. You're welcome. You know, we did we did do the fight go. I'm Michael, grateful recovering sexaholic. Um, thank you guys for, for your shares and your wisdom. There's just so much I've gotten out of it. I, I'm also a lifelong codependent and, uh, you know, a good friend of mine says that all of us are co's before we're <laughs> addicts. And I, I, I believe that, you know, for myself. And, um, you know, I've, I've dated two women in my life and I've married them both. It's <laughs> my, my story, um, and and that's it. I mean, it's, if anybody wants me, then that, that's you know that, and then I'm obliged to to, to marry them, and uh, especially if they're willing to be sexual with me, then I'm really you know uh, that that's it. So, um, and I never I went straight from you know my mom to my first wife, and then straight from that first marriage ending directly into a relationship with which became my second wife. And now we, we, we were divorced, uh, for a few years and, um, really grateful for the wisdom of, of, you know, take, being patient and developing male friendships, um, being comfortable with yourself, being able to, to, you know, be full within myself before I can look to try to, you know, be in a relationship because I'm not going to want to take from that. So I'm trying to learn that where I am in my journey. Um, and also I found out about six months ago that my, my ex had been made, uh, had already been dating for two years and I didn't know it, you know. At least I didn't admit to it consciously. I think I had some signs to, about that. And that was very difficult. And I find myself now actually beginning to wish her well, at least in my mind, in my heart. And that feels like progress. But, you know, I'm five months sober and I've, I've been in recovery a long time, but, it feels like a good clean. It's been a really good clean five months, and I, I don't know where the journey is going to take me. And I'm beginning to get comfortable with the idea that maybe, you know, it's going to be a life of you know, life of singleness. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, and I'll hold all the fantasy of getting back together with my ex and things of that sort. I guess the question I have um, is that process of letting go of the other relationship and where that fits in with the with being ready to date again um, because I feel like I'm in that process and I don't know where, you know, obviously I'd be talking with my sponsor and others about 
being able to date um, when when that time comes. But uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that part of it in terms of letting go of the previous ones. So thanks. Yeah, yeah, I got I got a million stories here, but um, um, nineteen ninety nine. So, you know, I got married two days after my eleventh sobriety birthday. So, my sobriety birthday is August the first, and we got married on August the third. And so, my wife is almost 10 years younger than me, and, and uh, I was 44, so she was 34, and so her biological clock was ticking. And uh, uh, so within a year, we, we started trying to have a family. We learned we were infertile, um, which was a total shock, and uh, ended up having, going, having to go through in vitro, uh, which... Um, means that you have to provide samples, so that's that's a, that's another story for maybe another day. But uh, anyway, that was a lot of had a lot of calls to the sponsor on that one. Okay, yeah, yeah, and in fact, you know, we're supposed to go to like 4:40. So do you want to? Yeah, yeah. This one, this is like a double session. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. You need to stop it. Okay. Okay, let me let, let me finish this story and then we'll stop. Okay. Okay, you want to come back in about five minutes? Okay. So um, we finally get pregnant, and uh, my son um, is delivered on June first. First son is delivered uh, June first, nineteen ninety nine. Um, my sponsor was waiting outside the delivery room, which was kind of cool. I got a picture of him, uh, me holding my my son, who is now almost as tall as me. And uh, um, two months later, so that was June, it was now, gosh, it was just a month later. Um, So this is 1999. I hadn't spoken to my ex since that meeting in 94. So it had been over five years since we had talked to each other. She calls me out of the blue. I just had my first son. I heard you got married. I said, yeah, I, I got married a couple years ago. And uh, um, I said, as a matter of fact, you know, we just had our first child. And she broke down sobbing. And she said, you never gave me another chance. And it, it, it was, oh, my gosh. And I, I, really, I, I really felt a lot of sadness at that point. Because um, you know she she obviously was living in a different reality than I was, and uh, so um, you know, but it it ultimately came to that you know a number of years uh, yeah and that's that's when I you know I, I I could really feel some compassion towards her and say that um, you know her her lack of um, comprehension of where she was, her denial about my disease, her denial about her own issues, you know, uh, it was just really sad. And, uh, um, you know, I try to pray for her every time I think about her. Uh, it's been, I haven't talked to her since. So it's been, uh, Stephen just turned 18, you know, or was eight, he's going on 19. 
Um, so it's been a long time, but, um, so it, it took, you know, it took a while, it took a while. And, uh, you know, as, as we say in this program, it takes what it takes, you know, um, uh, but obviously, you know, it, I, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, for me, it was about getting comfortable in my own skin and recognizing that, you know, uh, I could be happy, uh, joyous and free with my friends, with my church, with my job, uh, with my life, you know, um, and I trusted that if, I, and I've said this to people, and I, I, you know, I said this to our youth group at church because we were, uh, my wife and I were asked to talk about dating, and the, and the people at church don't, don't, they know about my recovery because we have seven meetings at our church, and my wife's on staff there, so they, they know about my addiction. Um, but they don't know how we dated. Uh, they just know that we have, were successful in dating. And so we went to our, and, uh, a bunch, uh, several of the youth, College age youth invited us to come and talk about how we got married. <laughs> and, uh, so I did a modified version of this, this conversation. And, uh, and I really believed, and I, uh, to, you know, I believe then and I believe now that, you know, if I was meant to be married, I, I wasn't going to be able to screw it up. You know, I was going to meet the person I was supposed to meet and, uh, I wasn't going to screw it up. And, uh, uh, it turned out to be absolutely true. And, 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 and it, I think it, for me, it took that experience with my ex and recognizing that we were different people and, and, uh, um, you know, the dating experience that I had, you know, meeting my ex or meeting my new wife and, and, uh, she, she was attractive, but she wasn't a trigger. Go figure. Um, um, she didn't, she didn't, you know, Harvey said I should have a checklist that I should offer to women and just have them fill it out to see if I wanted to spend any time with them, you know. That was a joke, but, uh, um, uh, but it was almost that way. So, um, and she didn't make, check any of those boxes, but it, it sure worked out. So, I think we're at a good pausing place. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.